One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Footy Prime, the podcast with Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Today, we welcome special guest Dave Amber with producer Dan Wong and me, Jeff Cole. Let's get this party started. Thank you very much, Jeff Cole, and welcome to episode 27. We're all still alive, as far as I know. Uh, a full house today. Dicchio even joined us, which is uh, very nice. Thanks, Danny. It's been a while. You know, you, you've ditched us the previous, what, three weeks, but uh, you're looking uh, as bald as ever. What is, what, what is that sound, guys? Is that my whistle entry coming in, or is that sound one? Well, keep, um, keep, you guys keep talking. I'm going to go on mute. That's your, uh, your Lalo uh, relaxing chair you're in there. Are you, are you laying down? I'm, I'm lying down in bed because this is the only room in my house which is quiet. Four kids and a wife. As many you can attest to, like there's going to be no quietness in my house <laughs> to listen to you guys. So there's fucking chairs going through the window. There's <laughs> balls, tennis balls, hockey, baseball. There's everything going on in my house. So I'm actually at peace now at the moment. Well, I'm glad, DJ. Obviously, a, a big weekend in an Italian's family. You know, Easter weekend, of course. You know, uh, yeah. I believe the uh, the Easter bunny was born this day or something, right? Something like that. I don't know. We've got a very thing on that, but. Correct. But still, uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, as we continue through this saga we're calling COVID-19 or, or what, the coronavirus. What, what is it now? Is it coronavirus or COVID-19? What's the year to go to? COVID-19. Yeah? Go with COVID. Yeah? COVID? We're going with that? It's, it sounds kind of cooler, right? Doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, th- those dulcet tones you hear there are our guest today, a good friend of the show, David Amber, of Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL and Sportsnet, one of the best in the business, one of the good guys. Dave, thank you, mate, for joining us. Um, the, I, guess, I guess the go-to default question for any guest in any show is, how's it going? How's, how's <laughs> lockdown for you? Uh, I think you said it best off the top, uh, James, when you said we're still alive, so that's good. Uh, we're, we're battling through this. Uh, there's some unity. We're all in this together, which is kind of a nice thing, but uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, we're a month in now. I've had more family dinners in the last month than I think I've had, and I mean, we probably can all say this, Dan, I see the smile on your face. I mean, I've had more family dinners in the last month than I've probably had in the last five years total, like or close. I mean, it's been every day. It's been great. Re- reacquainted with the with my wife and kids, and uh, um, we're we're getting through this, so it's been okay so far. And I'm sure you're not missing the suits either, are you? You know, it's, it's great to throw a t-shirt on. There's no makeup. Grab a seat. Grab a pair of headphones. Boom. I feel underdressed, though. Although I I would have felt more underdressed. Then I see uh, Danny. I feel okay a little bit. You know? <laughs> uh, do, do you have pants on? Is the question. <laughs> I hope so. 
Well, you, you joke, but last week we asked Craig the same question, and Craig <laughs> stood up to reveal that he wasn't, in fact, wearing pants. Oh. He was just wearing his shorts, his boxer shorts. Now, we should note... Actually, well, I got news for you. Oh. <laughs> we, we should make it, make it very clear to the listeners and, and the viewers here that um, usually we tape on a Monday morning, quite early. Uh, this occasion we're taping on Sunday night, so we're all drinking heavily. So we'll, we'll see where the where the show goes, and and Craig might, Craig, it's an evening. Are, are you are you pantless this time of the evening? I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. Here you are. No, mysterious. I am pantless. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be. I thought you might be. Hey, all those years on Sportsnet, I was always pantless too. I know. That's what the viewers never saw, right? You know, thank God for that that that, that desk, but yeah. beneath the glass, yeah. It was quite. Well, actually, I mean, there's a lot of guys do wear shorts, yeah, and throw on the upper side. If you're only going to be seen from the waist up during the summertime, guys will do that. They'll come into the office, eh, Dave? Uh, well, no, no, I've never seen that before in my life. Are you serious? Yes, <laughs> I've never seen a guy go on set. In, in I've been doing this 23 years. I've never seen a guy go on in shorts. Seriously, no way. yeah, never. Are oh, you hockey guys? Though? You know, you're all so. You know, no, but even awesome. even when I was doing regular other sports, I, I've just never ask, seen it. Ask Brad Fay. Yeah, is he a big shorts guy? He was. Yeah, he would come in and do whatever, come in and do some news hits or whatever, and he would just throw on his shorts and his upper top. And <laughs> well, it's amazing, isn't it? We're talking about sports and and watching highlight shows and watching the actual games themselves. Now we're kind of stuck with watching this kind of crap. Or, or, or classic games. Now, hey, Deech, let me ask you, Deech, Like, can you watch old old football matches? Because I'm having difficulty. I, I really can't. There's an occasional classic you want to watch, you know, whatever the sport. But I'm having difficulty, you know, really getting engaged in, in games that happened 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I agree as well, Shams. I, I don't like watching games where I know the result. For me, the, the, the excitement of watching a, a live game or – a game that is either replayed where I don't know the result is the most exciting thing for me. So last week it was interesting because Toronto FC actually replayed the first game where I scored the first goal. And we actually sat down as a family to watch it because, as you know by now, I got red carded in the, the 44th minute. So I hadn't actually seen the whole game and nor had my family because they were back in England at the same time. So we sat down and watched it, and my kids were like, holy shit, Dad, you were actually a, 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 a terrible player. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is like for them to watch, because I was at kind of the latter stages of my career, and I wasn't as mobile as I once was, and Craig can attest to that. I did used to be mobile for a, a pretty big guy. but um, Is that what you said to them? You should have seen me in my prime. seen me back in the day, kids. I was like a terrier. Uh, and my kids were like very disappointed with my performance, and then my red card. They were more excited about the red card than the actual first goal. So, <laughs> now, I, again, I go back to, and uh, I'm not sure if it's the same in all sports because I've seen on on uh, ESPN and other channels they're showing some like playoff games from uh, the Lakers and Boston Celtics. I watched one the other night, the Lakers and Detroit Pistons, and I'm a big Pistons fan, so I loved watching that. But I think it's purely for football. I don't like watching replay games. 
You know what, James? We're, we're showing a lot of that on Sportsnet right now. We're doing a lot of the classic rewinds. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Dan. You, you don't watch it because you know how it's going to unfold. And the best thing about live sports is it's the best reality TV. But what I like watching, we had a, a 2002 Leafs Senators playoff game on, and I knew with the final, I knew what was going to happen. But it's cool to see the uniform, how the guys move, the stocks of players. They're, you know, before there's ads on the boards in the NHL, when you start to see the vintage stuff, you know, the sticks they're using, these old uh, composite, you know, one-piece wooden sticks, whatever. It's very different. And it, it that's what I like, the little nuances that you go, oh, shoot, I forgot about that. You're talking about the Lakers and the Pistons. Remember they had the short shorts? Remember how physical the game was? It's like a totally different brand of basketball. A team might have put up 10, 15 threes uh, 20 years ago. Now they're putting up 45, 50 threes in a game, at, at, depending on the team you're playing. So those little nuances are cool, but I, I can't wait till the day we get back to live sport. Yeah. You know, it's a good point, Dave. And uh, I know in England uh, that today they showed the semifinal uh, against West Germany in 1990. But it was yep. interesting. I found I didn't even watch the game. I remember watching it live in the day, but. Didn't want obviously see it over here, but listening to some of the players on social media, Gary Lineker tweeting about watching the game, talking about moments, actually saying that at the time he never cried after that game. They dominated it, lost on penalties, but he said he cried that you know tonight watching it, uh, saying he's getting soft in his old age. So I find that social media can really help in incidents like that. The guys that were there that could have actually experienced it. But I think you're right. That, I think you're right. It is what it is. It's all, it's all we got. When you yeah. have that emotional attachment to an event, you know, that, that game, Craig, for example, I remember that, you know, I, I just moved to Canada right during the World Cup, right? Great timing. Thanks, mum and dad. Jesus. <laughs> right in the World Cup, you know, England had this great run to the semifinals. And I remember that game and I'm, you know, with, with, Beck, with uh, Beckham, Gaza's tears, I was crying as well. So I might watch those games again because I have that emotional attachment to it. But I, I get why Sportsnet and, and TSN are having to do this. They have no choice. I get it. I understand why people want to watch these games. But personally, it's just very difficult for me to you know, really I- embrace it. But David, you, you mentioned a great point in there about how the games have changed, the sports have changed, you know, from uniforms to the, the little minutiae of the sport. What sport do you think has changed the most in the last 20 years? If you look at the big four in, in, oh in, in North America... I mean, hockey well, obviously has changed dramatically from a, from a physical standpoint, but so too is the NBA. And, and football would be in there as well. I mean, guys are bigger, faster. I mean, there used to not be 330, 340-pound guys. That's a fairly common thing. I mean, Wonger can talk to this because, you know, he watches a lot of football. Uh, the rules now as well. Uh, you know, we would see a lot more offense. You know, I'm sure Joe Montana is sitting there going, why couldn't I have played in these rules where you can't touch the quarterback, you can't touch the wide receiver, you can pop them at the line and that's it. So, uh, you know, I think everything's been catered towards more offense. NBA, you know, they've moved the three-point line in. Uh, NHL, goalie equipment has been uh, made to be smaller. MLB, the juiced ball. Uh, there's all these advantages because people want offense. So I, I, I think it makes sense. I'm not sure, you know, when it comes to footy uh that's a different ball game you know we don't we don't see rules necessarily to, to take away from the beautiful game but you know maybe they're going to think about at some point making rules a little bit softer to, to try and have a little bit bit more scoring in soccer as well Well, i think Dave, they have i mean it, the refereeing has changed it used to be looser like, uh, looser like and it was a lot more clutch and grab big guys like danny dicchio up front elbowing people it was very very physical it was like rugby without hands completely different game than you see now uh now 
uh, it's almost ref like uh, NBA referees, if you mm-hmm. like. I mean, the contact is minimal. You have to be very, very careful. Before it used to be, you got the ball if you took the other man out and put him in the stand. It wasn't that was fine. That was textbook. Yeah. Now it's overuse of force. So they're trying to protect players, trying to protect the star players, creating more offense. They're they're trying all the time to do that. I think for the most part, it's uh, certainly worked. Uh, the possession game, uh, they changed the rules at the back now. The goalkeepers can play the ball inside the 18-yard box, which creates more possession, which is a better-looking game, more yeah. attractive, I think, creates more space on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, every every sport has definitely evolved. Um, and we've seen it from when I played uh, even to now. Absolutely. Guys, when, when we're talking about football changing as well and the physical aspect changing um, more for the benefit of the flair player, has that happened in hockey as well? I know that. I've spoken to you before, Craig, as well, where the goalkeepers were always really small back in the day, but now they're like big giants where they're protecting the whole goal. They can stand up. And also the the, the goons, as as someone called me in my first year, they, they, they said, you're <laughs> a big hockey goon. And I, I had no idea what they were talking about, but I don't see much of those guys coming onto the ice now to try and sort things out when the team's under pressure or the coach gives him the nod to say, hey, go and have a little whack at that guy. Is that changing hockey as well? Hey, I remember when the press asked you after that game, they said, they asked you about if you had heard of the Gordie Howe hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. And And you went, Gordie who? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Gordy, but I had no idea what that, that journalist was talking about. I thought he was talking about one I house. I was a big coach back in uh, England that I played for, for a little bit at Arsenal and QPR, and I, I just I was totally oblivious you know, to it. Who was it? Do you remember, Deitch? Who was it who asked that question? It was that, that first year, there were so many, the majority of journalists covering that team didn't understand the game. He was a baseball guy from the start. Was he? Okay. Really good guy, an older guy, like a really good guy. And we we spoke about it like many years later, but right. they wouldn't put me on the spot that day and I felt really stupid. Even more stupid <laughs> than I am. <laughs> you know what's interesting about what you just said there? You were describing the goalies back in the day in, in soccer as smaller. And I look at Craig Forrest as, no, no, you know. Hockey. No, no hockey. No, but you also, didn't you also mention in, in soccer, the goalies used to be smaller? Yeah. Well, a little in, bit. They used to be smaller, but now, like the profile, Craig must have been a giant. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was an outlier. (laughs) You're you're 100 percent true in hockey. In fact, I've worked with a bunch of analysts. You know, Glenn Healy, Greg Millen, uh, Darren Pang. Darren Pang is is an exceptional broadcaster. Down, Uh, he does uh, the Fox Regional games with the St. Louis Blues. Does some NHL Network and NBC Sports as well. He's about five foot six, and I'm not exaggerating. He might be five seven, five eight at the most. Um, Glenn Healy. Uh, there used to be a goalie on the lease named Alan Bester, who was probably about five nine, five ten. Now uh, the players have gotten smaller. It used to be you couldn't be a defenseman in the NHL unless you were six two. They wouldn't even look to draft you. Everything has flip flopped. They won't look to draft you if you're a goalie under six two. In fact, there's only one goalie, uh, UC Soros, under six feet tall in the National Hockey League. So they're taking up. They're great athletes, but they're taking up so much of the net, and that's been part of the problem. They're, they're fantastic athletes, but they're also so big. You throw on this big equipment, and it's been very difficult. So they've had to come up with ways in the National Hockey League to increase the scoring. That's been one of the big goals as far as you talk about uh, evolving the game and moving the game forward because people like goals. It doesn't have to be 8-6, but people get a little 
sick if it's always two to one games. The NHL's done a good job. The scoring's been up this year. In fact, I think it was the highest scoring year uh, since 1979 uh, this right. year in the National Hockey League. A big part of that, Dave, I mean, is the equipment, isn't it? Because remember back when the, the leg pads were tiny, of course you mm-hmm. wanted a small goalie all on your feet. Nobody ever went on the deck. I remember Howie no. Meeker saying, you know, when somebody went on the goal, they were, he was always saying, you're down on the knees looking for nickels. This, you can't be doing that. <laughs> and now everybody's big. They, they put those huge pads out into a butterfly. Their upper torso is covering the upper top of the net. It's difficult. I mean, they're so fluid too. Uh, The agility of these guys post to post, they're often the best athletes on the team now. I mean, you look at a guy like Carey Price and he makes it look so effortless that people don't think he's a great athlete. You have to see this guy, the quickness he has, the amount of power he has in his midsection and his core. It's unbelievable. The quickness they can, the, the lateral movement and the quickness, the, the hand-eye movement is yeah. is unbelievable for these that guys. Was what, you know, you mentioned that. I remember watching uh, Richard or uh, uh, Richard Brodeur. Richard Brodeur back in the day. Oh, go, oh my God, King Richard was, uh, was amazing. <laughs> but uh, seeing uh, Martin Brodeur from right behind the net, and watching his lateral movement, it reminded me of watching the the best of any sport. Like it's uh, like a, a Federer in, in how he moves laterally on the tennis court. It's, it's, it's graceful, it's, beautiful. It is. It's absolutely fantastic. A little bit like how Shams moves on the dance floor. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially when I'm on knees, you know, <laughs> looking for nickels as how you mean puking at the toilet. <laughs> but I wonder. I mean, this is the old, the old um, chestnut out of all the, the the big sports. Which sport has the best athletes? I mean, I know obviously there's different, you know, specialties in each. I mean, skating up and down the ice for an Englishman that's incredible. When I watch these guys, I watch Mitch Marner doing what he does in the ice. It's incredible to me. Um, you watch the NBA. You see these guys who are seven foot tall. You know, showing such quickness—not speed, but quickness mm-hmm. and physicality. Is, is there a sport that stands out to you? All of you that says these guys, these guys are the best athletes, the most impressive athletes. You know, it's difficult because you could you could argue in so many different ways. Uh, I know Alex McKechnie, sports scientist uh, at the, the Raptors, you know, has this discussion about basketball. He's been involved in all sorts of sports. And yes, the NBA players are fine sporting fe- specimens. Absolutely incredible athletes. And they're up there with the very best for me. But you got other sports that you need more endurance um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing to be successful. So that's a that's a skill and certainly something that comes a big part of football being on the pitch for ninety minutes. Hockey's very anaerobic, you know. So it's it's different uh, from sport to sport. It's very difficult, uh, but I would say that at the top end of any of the sports, so the major sports you see, any of them are talented. Even at you know when you watch the top curlers, I watch that because I'm bit buddies with some of the producers and Vic Browder on TSN, but you know it's it's a, a difference that the top. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I can't believe the COVID curse has pushed you into curling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, you know what, though? I have an appreciation for all the, I mean, these are the best of the best, whatever you want to say, whether it's the best curlers or the best, you know, basketball players. You're talking about the best, you know, 450 basketball players in the world in the NBA. One thing I'll say, and, and you know, when you move outside the big four, what about boxing? I mean, to me, that's the yeah. perfect max, uh, match of endurance, skill, agility, speed, toughness, and you can get your face punched in while you're doing it. I, I, you know, it's got a bit of everything. Uh, you know, when I talk to hockey players about, you know, what it takes to be in their sport and, and at that elite level, I guess the one nuance they'll say that makes their sport so special is you're doing this on, on, 
on ice, on skates. And that's true. When you factor that in, you're not on your feet. You're in an unnatural uh, position in that, in that regard. But to me, boxers, when you look back at the Sugar Ray Leonard's and the Marvin Hagler's and that, that class of athlete, not necessarily the heavyweights that are slugging it out, but the guys who have the, the mix, you know, Floyd Mayweather, th- those types of guys, it's hard to say they're not maybe the greatest athletes in the world. That's a great point. You know, I, I played a lot of sports in my life. And uh, about three years, two years ago now, I had a little charity bout, three rounds boxing. And I, I've never been as beaten, exhausted in my life. You know, three rounds and I had nothing left. They could not. Did you win? Actually, well, it was, it was charity. It was very, you know, casual. <laughs> no. no. No, no, no. no that's <laughs> not true. No, the, uh, the consensus was I had him on points just about. Nice. But uh, regardless, three rounds and I, it, it, he was fit, fair than me. If there's a fourth round, I wouldn't have got out there. There's, there's no chance. So I agree with you. I think you're Full right. Shots? Four yeah, three yeah. Rounds. Wow. Yeah. No headgear, just uh, idiots, basically. Oh. It was stupid, oh, really. And my wife told me, never, ever again, you idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? You're, you're 44 years old, for Christ's sakes. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big boxing fan as well, guys. And I, I did a lot of boxing training when I was younger. And I can attest to it. It's, it's probably the most difficult training I've ever done in my life. Even uh, soccer training where... There's the argument of what sport is the hardest to do. And you talk about football where you're running on average between 11 and 14 kilometers per game. You know, at high intensity, low intensity, endurance levels has to be high. You talk about American football with the, the hits that are going on, but people argue that the ball is in play on average seven seconds per, per play or even less. So you yeah, think about, about 15, 15, 14 minutes, 15 minutes in a, in a four-hour four spell. And then I remember coming to Toronto in the first year and we actually, Jimmy made me go down to the Marlies. There was a, a little uh, skate rink going on with the Marlies. There was a collaboration with some of the Leafs coming down. And I thought, yeah, I, I have some of this. Like, this can't be too too hot. I got on the ice and I had a whole new respect for those guys. I'm six foot four anyway, so it's a big, long drop for me to fall on the ice. <laughs> I was like Bambi on ice, but these guys, the way... They could move backwards, sideways, cut, and actually hit the puck at a pace where I don't know how goalkeepers face that puck. But the, the argument is there. Even basketball, those guys, I know they're coming on on shifts, but they're going back and forth like the suicide run, which we talk about in gym. And they're landing, they're taking hits. So the, the argument is out there for everyone. But I would say boxing is up there. There is one sport which I would say, is never, ever going to get to the top four or five. And as our favorite friends, and my younger boy will not, not be happy with this because he plays it. And that's our favorite friends, the baseball guys. <laughs> but that is a yeah. skill itself as well. That's a totally different skill that they're playing. Hey, yeah, I, I, wish, I, wish, I, wish, I was a baseball player. You can stand around. You, got, you play every single day, 162 games. That's a bit on the high side. But, I mean, really, you run about – 60 feet every time, maybe? <laughs> if, you're, if, you're a middle, if you hit a home run, that's the hardest, hardest thing you're going to do. You've got to run all four when you hit yeah. a home run. Baseball and football are hard to quantify, and the reason is because there's, if you're an offensive lineman and you're a wide receiver or you're a cornerback, they're very different positions with a very different skill set. If you're a pitcher – or a third baseman or a catcher, those are a different skill set as well. I would say some of the best athletes you're going to find are center fielders, are, are shortstops. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's a spe- very specific skill though uh what i've always found funny is you take some great athletes from one sport and you say hey can you do this sport and and a lot of their skills are not transferable because it's so specific what they're doing i'll never forget watching john wall who's one of the great players in the nba or a very good player at least and he was throwing out the first pitch for the washington nationals and he, he can't really throw a, a ball and i was like wow that's kind of crazy right this dude's only only ever growing up dribbling a basketball and and taking shots and and passing a basketball when he he actually had a different ball in his hands he couldn't do it carl lewis you want to laugh go look up carl lewis throwing out the first pitch it's hilarious yeah it's a great point well they say though with baseball the hardest thing in sports right is hitting a fastball right they they say that because it's a round ball and a round bat i think that's bullshit personally but it's not easy if you if you fail seven times you're still a star yeah you're a hall of famer you're a hall of famer that's pretty good the baseball crowd's not happy with us right now. Luckily, they don't listen. Hitting oh. a baseball, I would say, is what, okay. What were you going to say? You disagree. What's the hardest thing in sports then? Uh, being hit by a safety in the NFL, probably. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I understand it's hard. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, cricket's difficult and people laugh at me at cricket. You know, facing a, a fast bowler in cricket, when that ball's coming at you at 120 miles an hour, hitting a seam. And coming at you and hitting a different angle, that's very difficult as well. So, listen, there's always reasons to say that our sport is better than your sport. You know, they all have their little intricacies. Uh, they're, they're all wonderful. But uh, let's all agree that, that baseball is just stupid. And then we'll move on. Thanks, James. James, our yeah. other guest uh, with Conquer COVID oh, great. just joined us. Yeah, great. Okay, so if you've been following Danny and Craig, especially on, on Twitter the last couple of days or a few days, you've been noticed that they've been really involved in Conquer COVID-19, this fantastic new... Uh, 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 initiative um, organized by, by some people, including Sully Ahmed, who, who joins us now. Sully, welcome to Footy Prime Podcast. Thank you so much. Can you explain you. For, for those, and I see you're in a Celtic uh, tracky top there. We'll get to that shortly. But can you break down for those that are unsure, um, what is exactly Conquer COVID-19? How can you get involved? Well, thanks to you, James and uh, Dixon uh, um, uh, Stacks for for having me on, uh, I've listened to the podcast since the first day, so uh, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I was a bit shocked because I saw Dave Amber's here, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's hockey. I'm getting, <laughs> <laughs> getting story, they're getting desperate, like, Sully. They're getting desperate, man. Okay, well then I'm definitely here because that's proof of that. Um, <laughs> so we're uh, my wife, Lydia, likes to say. I mean, we're just a bunch of nobodies from nowhere. We uh, quickly about uh, 10, 14 days ago. A couple of us on a WhatsApp group just kind of got together and said, what can we do to help? A lot of us have loved ones on the front lines and family members. So, um, you know, you can complain about something or you can do something. So we decided they were messaging us pretty desperately saying they needed help. So we just decided we can do what we can and mobilize quickly. So we're not a replacement for the provincial or federal governments. They're doing everything they can. But we're kind of like the special forces. We get in there, and uh, our motto from Haley Wickenheiser, I guess you could say for our team, Conquer COVID, is uh, GSD, get shit done. And uh, that's what we're doing. And um, uh, so we kind of started out slowly as a small group, and it just kind of grew. Friends of mine, Greg Tilson, who's our CIO, running our site, uh, Lori Dillon Schalk, Guri Panu, my wife Khadija, um, a whole crew of people, and we just kind of it grew, and more people wanted in and they wanted to help. And then our WhatsApp thing kind of became a disaster, so we moved to Slack, and that's on. And you know, Danny and um, and, and, and Stacks are, are part of it. Um, so we started just getting donations. So one example was Dr. Sean Mondu, who's a 
position at ER at Hamilton General. He said, we need baby monitors. I was like, what do you need baby monitors for? So what he explained was the regular hospital beds and communication units were, were, were filled up. So baby monitors allow them to triage and so that they can communicate with the patients without exposing the nurses or doctors unnecessarily to COVID-19 or using up valuable PP equipment. So we started just, you know, on Facebook and stuff, boys, and getting, you know, monitors and cleaning them up. But then we realized we can't scale this quick enough. So uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Tanbeer Grover at, from Cooperators, introduced me to the chief merchandising officer, Sean Williams, at, at uh, Toys R Us. And we started shipping out baby monitors across the country, you know, um, Trois-Rivières and, and everywhere. And then, and, and then uh, so that kind of led to that. And then Volvo Canada approached us and said, look, we want to help you guys. So we're giving you a fleet of cars, gas, insurance, everything. Drive. No questions asked. And so we started deploying people. And so we don't go to shipping in the hospital. Like we take the SUV right up to the front door of VR and then ask for the charge nurse and they come running out and they'll take it. Um, uh, it was at Etobicoke general with my daughter the other night. And um, the nurse, one of them said these N95 masks are gold. And we had brought in about 10 boxes, about 1,200 masks, um, and they were all donated. In our group, we're all volunteers. We're not touching money. We're not for profit. Our goal is to wind it down by June, if not sooner, once things start to roll. But we're just kind of stepping in, and, um, and a lot of great Canadians are involved. And, you know, and like I said, uh, Craig and, and, and Danny stepped up. A lot of other people did, too, and then... I think it was about a week ago, though it feels longer, um, Haley Wickenheiser put out that tweet and said, she's a doctor, she's in fourth year medical school uh, here in Toronto, and she's like looking for help and said, I'll give you a jersey or whatever. And uh, A buddy of mine, Jamie Stein, saw it, and I, he just flagged it to me. So I replied to her and said, look, we don't want anything. We don't, we just, we can help you. So what happened was her and um, Ryan uh, Reynolds, uh, Deadpool, um, they, uh, they uh, they were like the face, and we become the support in the back. So uh, you know, and uh, it, then things just took off, and so now we've uh, started expand. So that's a really long answer. I apologize. I'll probably breathe. And, no, it's all hey, Sully, you're you're very humble about this. Uh, I know you're 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 the type of person you are. You're simply an angel, buddy. The what you've done for the community in the past. I know you're part of the No Fly Zone group. Uh, they headed that up as well helping Syrian refugees. You're an absolute beauty and you're very humble about this, but this group of people that you guys have put together uh, and the support system from the influencers to the business people, to the physicians is something that I have never been prouder to be a part of. It's just a small part of this group uh, that are making this happen is, is really something uh, incredible. And uh I saw the healthcare workers firsthand when I went out to Trillium Health uh, Partners and to see what it means to them. Man, oh, man, it just gives you that energy and gives you a purpose to do something in this really difficult time. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I, I just think me and my wife were just kind of a small cog and a big wheel, and a lot of people have stepped up. Um, you know, Tory's the law firm, pro bono. These guys helped us. Like, because <laughs> 10 days ago, boys, we were just like, six people on whatsapp right and now we're you know i've got pilots calling me to ship stuff up north and uh you know or we got people we got logistics my wife is ready to kill people because she's finished an org chart it took like two days because you got to pivot right you got to grow and, and we're a team like kaylee's our captain 
I'd probably say, boys, I'm like the general manager, the gaffer who gives the, uh, you know, the, 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 the hair dryer treatment. Um, I'm on the sides and guys like you, and it, it matters. And you guys, well, your support really matters when, 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 when you and Danny, Danny put up that video the other day, you too, Craig, when we needed you to get the T-shirts, which was funny, like, because I had to go get these T-shirts from Oakville because no one's printing, right? And then I call his stacks and I live out east, and I'm like, can you go to, you know, Oakville now and go get these T-shirts we need for the drive? And then- yeah, I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, okay, when do I got to be there? And he says, 5 o'clock, I'm in Toronto, <laughs> and it's 4.15. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no traffic. There's no- That's why I got there. I got there in the nick of time. Yeah, and, and, and it was funny because the T-shirts were there, and then we had Premier Ford, and the boys were wearing them too, and now everyone wants to buy T-shirts, so we're firing that up and selling the T-shirts. All proceeds go through IDRF, and uh, we don't touch the money. Tax receipts are issued, and then they buy from Bayshore, who's our partner, and Afisa, who works there, is terrific. And then they immediately ship out the product to the hospitals in Nima, and we did start with Ontario, but we're now firing up in Quebec, BCL Alberta, we're trying to get Manitoba online. Um, and again, our goal is to shut it down. Like, we're not a replacement for the government. But in the meantime, and Premier Ford's been great. Prime Minister Trudeau mentioned us in the statement. And all the hockey people, too, have been involved. And I'm glad you guys got involved because, like, I like hockey, don't get me wrong, but we're getting <laughs> chirped a bit by the by all the puckheads. And then we got to get the football guys on board, right? Yeah. Hey, Sully, one thing. We, you had the drive last weekend. We had the uh, donation drive again yesterday planning to do it next week we got to think that over the next couple of weeks this is going to dry up so money is going to become important now i know shopify um the foundation gave a million dollars to conquer COVID 19 um is there any other potential big money coming into to the uh, the group in the next few days maybe a major bank or something yeah, there are a couple banks uh, that uh, we're we're in discussions with right now, and uh, a couple other organizations and people are stepping up. Uh, I can't say anything right now just yet because you're kind of in that uh, that courtship phase, if you will. But people are stepping up pretty large, and uh, we do have something though that the T-shirts that you picked up. Um, we're dropping them on Tuesday. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is going to be. Uh, wearing his <laughs> and then uh we're gonna have them on and then we're gonna be selling them and all the proceeds are going there so it all adds up i think and already i think um i, I gotta confirm so don't quote me on this but i think we already raised twenty-eight thousand separate from the shopify agreement so in one day it's not bad because every bit counts and i you know and and, and then what we discussed with Haley and ryan was that uh, and she's an awesome captain like you guys met her at the drive like she's just David's nodding his head, like just just a standout leader, humble. She she wasn't like you do this when we had to take a shipment up to Markham that 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 um, long term facility clinic that was in crisis. Kaylee just packed up her Ford and she's like giddy up and she took it. So, um, hell of a captain, leader, Guri and other people on our leadership team, like just. You know, they got to deal with me, so God love them. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit relentless, but we're, we're, like I said, GSD, getting shit done, and you guys getting the soccer teams involved. I mean, there was, you know, kids, I think, and, and what I'd ask is my son plays on a team, and, and um, when we had a Zoom call with Coach Penna for Vaughn, one of the things I asked was, I said, at the end when the parents had a call, I said, do any of you own companies or have anything, like, N95 masks, Tyvek suits, anything, gloves, gowns, they need them. 
And one of the parents was like, I got 30 of each. And then we immediately got them and shipped them up to Bob Cajun where there's been a bit of tragedy for the home. So I would ask if any of you have your platforms. And, and I know some athletes and public figures can't necessarily go out. Um, so what I'd say is, well, then use the keyboard. Like, ask your following your fans. Like, look in your basement. Look at your home. Look at the look at the look your businesses. Can you find anything? We'll send the car to – Dix made a really good comment on this video – We'll come and get it. We'll send it to you. And and the way we work, too, is uh, we have someone who used to work in the World Health Organization. So they advise us. So if it's used equipment, we put it in storage for three days. So that kills the virus. And then we ship it out to the hospitals. So all of you guys with your platforms, um, you know, right now there is a push if we can get money and equipment. And I think if we can bridge that gap for a period of time, then the cavalry comes in with the government support and everything else. And that's what we're trying to do. So, Solly, if someone's listening right now, watching it, and they have a donation, be it money or be it gloves or, or whatever, how do they get in contact with you? Where do they go? Um, well, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, but our website is conquercovid19.ca. And if they go in there, it's simple. There's like a form, James, like so intake. So if you need it as a doctor or nurse, and if they're listening to the show, like tell us, like go in there, fill it out what you need, quantity, supply, and then we'll get it to you. Um, and we avoid, like, the bureaucracy, so we ask for, like, their cell number and where they're at and their email to make sure they're legit, the hospital email or whatever, and then we bring it to them. On the supply side, if your listeners hear it and they have even one mask, like, even if it's one mask, even if it's $10, we'll take it. Because one N95 mask is $15 now, apparently, on the black market or whatever, that could save someone's life. We had a nurse the other night who worked at St. Mike's in tears because she had to wear the same N95 mask for a day. So if you've got 30 bucks or 45 bucks, we'll get you the tax receipt. We promise you it's all being taken care of. Um, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I, we're surrounded by just an incredible group of volunteers that Craig and Danny met, and, and these people are working, like, all out. They're not getting paid. Some of them have lost their jobs, and they're still going. <coughs> Incredible, incredible. It really is, you know, all, all this tragedy, but the hope, you know, remains because of people like you. So, Sully, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck with everything. We will be pumping this every podcast we can on our, on our social platforms as well. So thank you so much and keep up the good fight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you for having me on this. Yeah, hey, Sully, before you leave, I just want to say thank you as well because this is such important work you're doing and the fact that it's for the frontline workers who are really every day running such high risk, uh, it's being it, it's very important. And if there is a small silver lining to this whole thing, it seems like as a community, because we're, we're all in this together, it's not, you know, this group is, has a struggle and this group doesn't. Everyone's under the same uh, duress. It's just great what you guys are all doing, and I'm so glad you got a chance to work with Haley because Haley Wickenheiser is one of the great leaders, so smart, so dedicated, so driven. And if anyone, as you said, can get things done, it's Haley Wickenheiser and all of you guys uh, coming together. It's beautiful to see. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I would say for the doctors, nurses, the cleaners, the fund care staff, the ones working in homeless shelters, long-term care, um, they stand on our shoulders. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sully. And I hope to speak to you to real soon. Conquer COVID-19. And Craig and Beach, you've been involved. And in, uh, Craig, you put a great tweet two days ago, I think it was, saying how you haven't felt that good about anything for, for a very long time, just being involved. That's not why you're doing it, obviously. But uh, what you, the reward you get from, from being involved uh, is really something. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not doing it for myself, but I, you get an incredible amount back from it. Um, 
just the fact that you see this group of uh, committed dedicated people doing this for zero other than the fact that they just want to support our healthcare workers and i've never felt so useless as being a professional footballer or a former professional footballer and i and i i'm embarrassed to say except at least you know me and danny we we can help out in some way by spreading the word getting it out there um, and do our bit. Um, that's all we can do, uh, and, and to volunteer and to do that to help them. Uh, but uh, it, the real heroes are obviously the people that are in the hospitals and the healthcare workers. And going back to do it all again, I tell you, I would. Uh, I think I might get in the hell. I would have got it in the healthcare business. It's just uh, <laughs> they really are. They are truly making a difference, and uh, we're just trying Absolutely. to help them as much as we can. And even down uh, at the PPI PPE drive yesterday, I mean. There was some fantastic people down there, the med students that came down to help out. There was an ICU um, head of department that came down. I think her name was Carol, was it, Sully, who came yep. down on a day off to help out on a day off because she just wanted to be around people. Um, and then just the, the, the people coming in to donate the, from all different walks of life. There was people coming in to donate one mask, and, and they felt very sheepishly handing it into us. And we were like, this is so important. This one mask could save one doctor or one nurse's or one healthcare worker's life. And don't feel ashamed that you're just handing in this one mask. There was one lady that came in from a salon who, who, who made all these little masks and these little hamper baskets for us with sanitizers. And uh, another guy that from, was from a Tobacco that brought his dad down, Craig, remember him? And it was his birthday. He was an older gentleman and his dad had a 3D plastic uh, mold maker and they built these um, homemade uh, the, these shields for the doctors, 200 of them all week, and they come and deliver them because the dad wanted to get out of the house on his birthday. So they drove all the way down to the drive to, to, to give them and donate them. And I just thought at the end of the day that these people are fantastic. We have a, a whole load of fantastic people in Canada. I'm a foreign person here. I've been here 13 years, and it, it gave me a whole lot of pride to be living in a country where people were behaving in this way and bringing everyone together as, as they just alluded to as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, you know, the, all this obviously transcends sports. We understand that, you know, but you know, sports is trying to continue however it can. We're seeing in England right now, uh, players together being formed where basically all the, a bunch of players, a lot of players, the big name players are donating money, are raising a lot of money for, for the healthcare workers in, in the UK as well. David, with the NHL right now, has it been talk about that, a unified, you know, separate bid from group from the NHL specific, specifically, but maybe the players getting together to donate money? Where does that stand? Well, first, it's quiet. You know, first of all, I'd like to say it's really uplifting to hear these sort of stories. And I think these are the sort of stories that carry everyone through every community uh, through such a tough time is knowing that there's so much good out there because we were so caught up before COVID-19, you know, everyone's caught up in their own lives and you don't take maybe a, a greater look around you. And now everyone's been forced to do that. And uh, I really love the fact that, you know, Craig and Dan and certainly uh, Sully are doing these sorts of initiatives and, and helping out the community. The NHL community, uh, James is a super tight community and, um, there have been individuals who've been helping, certainly organizations, teams have been stepping up, you know, in their cities and doing everything they can to support uh, both the frontline health workers and support the community in general, because there's a lot of people really in desperate need, whatever the services are right now. There's people who've lost their jobs. There's people who need to take care of kids and the kids are away from school and they have to figure out that whole situation as well. 
Um, I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. It's been a really crazy week in the NHL community. It's been a week of mourning. Uh, this is somewhat unprecedented. I don't want to drag this down. I know this is supposed to be uplifting yeah. and and a little bit of an escape. But you know, people know a lot of the people who are watching, listening to this know. In the last seven days, we've had Pat Stapleton. It was on the nineteen seventy two. Canada Cup team pass away. He's a, a true gentleman of the game. Uh, just a really nice spirit to the game. He left such a great legacy as a player and a gentleman of the game. We had Tom Webster, the former LA Kings head coach, pass away this week as well, um, which was you know, v- very difficult to be in fighting uh, a sickness for, for some time. But uh, th- that's been very difficult as well. In fact, he's one of my first hockey coaches. I went to a Ridley hockey camp out in St. Catharines when I was a little kid, and it was Dennis Hall, Le- uh, Lowell McDonald, and Tom Webster were the coaches there. And I had a chance as a young kid to meet him, and he was just such a, a great guy, so funny and so engaging, so many great stories. And then uh, just uh, in the last 24 hours, 36 hours here, we've had uh, Colby Cave, a 25-year-old with the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. popping up and down from the NHL and the AHL passed away, uh, unrelated to COVID, all of these deaths, but still uh, just a heart-wrenching week in the National Hockey League and in the hockey community. So things do draw the community together. Uh, this was supposed to be a celebratory week, the first week of what would have been the National, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Instead, we're, we're mourning the loss of, of three great members of the hockey community. And it's been one thing that has galvanized the fact that everyone misses the sport. People want to get together and do the right thing. And we've seen a lot of individuals within the sport as well as a lot of teams step up and really do their part. So it's been, it's been really uh, uplifting to see that. It's only been a month. I mean, it's amazing. It seems so much longer th- than that. Um, the longer it goes on, the, the less it feels as if they'll get this season in. What, what are your thoughts, David? I, I know they want to get somehow find a way to complete this hockey season, even if it means going into September and maybe beyond. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your gut telling you? Well, first of all, I don't trust my gut. If you've ever been, I, Wonger's been to Vegas with me. I'm the worst gambler <laughs> ever, so I don't trust my gut. But uh, one thing I'll say is this. The NHL's been very creative. They're going to look at every avenue possible without compromising the integrity of the Stanley Cup playoffs and without compromising the health of the players, the fans, etc. My gut would tell me I don't see, based on everything that's happening in North America, I think it would be very difficult logistically to be able to play out the Stanley Cup playoffs and resume the, the regular season with fans in the arena. I, I think that's right. there's a lot of logistics there. I think you have one shot at this. I don't think you can bring back players, try to get this up and running as soon as you have one positive test for COVID-19. Essentially, I think you have to shut the whole thing down. So that being the case, I think they're going to act prudently, but they're going to do everything in their power to be creative, to try and find a way to possibly play out the season. Um, The players want it for a lot of these players. And listen, Craig, Dan, you could speak to this. You know, it's a very short, finite amount of time you get in the spotlight to win a championship, to do special things, to, to strip a year off these players would be very devastating for many of them, especially the older players or some of the fringe players who are a third, fourth line guy who this might be their only shot. This might be their only season. They might be replaced next year. So I know they're going to do everything in their power to play. And the way it could conceivably work out, James, would be you have, uh, you know, four pods of four teams in different uh, sparsely populated regions in North Dakota or Regina or something like that and try and find a way to make it work. Again, 
the NHL is looking at every different creative avenue that they can take. But of course, they can't compromise the safety of the players, safety of the fans, the integrity of the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. They're not going to go and just say, okay, well, you two have the top two points, play for the Stanley Cup. It doesn't work like that. So, uh, you know, it's April. It's early April. We'll know a lot more in a month from now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ask my gut in a month from now how I feel. I'm hopeful. but I'm cautiously optimistic. And again, we, it's a global health crisis. We have to do the right thing. You know what I find, find really interesting is that maybe all, all these creative ideas, maybe one of these leagues is going to stumble upon a better format it could than, than, we're, than we're used to through tradition. Maybe, maybe having these pods is better than this you know, big old tournament. You know? maybe, maybe football, you know, having a playoff structure is better than having a table. I don't know. You never know until you find out, until you see it, right? Yeah, there's some Dave just talked for five minutes and said, Ask me in a month. I just like, <laughs> <laughs> I basically just did his talk for five minutes, ask me in a month. Filibuster. Uh, uh, you know, the NBA is thinking about it, though. The NBA might change their scheduling. Uh, the season might start closer to, uh, to, to December. They might start the season on Christmas Day, that moving forward. They're, they're, they're contemplating all sorts of different things. So I'm, I'm going to be short on this answer there, Walter. But uh, there are, right, I think that's a good point, James. We could see a very different look to the four major sports uh, at the end of all this. Hey, Silly, uh, you're, I know you're a fan of Tottenham. Uh, the only good thing now is that they're they're not losing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't even know now if I'm going to be a fan of Tottenham. Um, I, I, I suppose this might be a bit controversial, but I unless things change, they uh, they didn't support their their staff and uh, the gentleman who owns the club. I think it's Levy, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a backlash, so I put it out on Twitter. I said, I'm looking for a new team now because if a uh, billionaire can't support part-time staff in that capacity, then um, that's not a club that I want to be part of. And then someone mentioned to me that Southampton Hampton actually really stepped up. I think it was Ustax or someone else that, that told me Southampton stepped up and their their, their their leadership took full pay cuts, you know, like, you know, to, to support the staff. And I think that that's something that, I don't just think with sports teams, I think large corporations, fans are going to look at what you're doing. So when we get on the other side of this, where were you? And I think it's something that any owner of a team would have to look at. Um, and so I, that's why I'm not wearing a Spurs thing. I'm wearing Celtic um, today. But uh, So I'm open to certainly any recommendations, although I can't bring myself to Arsenal, boys. I just can't. <laughs> How about West Ham? <laughs> you know what? Hammer's okay. Oh yeah, great owners, Greg. It, 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 QPR is another one. And yeah, that was no something. You know, but um, the only thing is, Sully, yeah. if you support those teams, you're just, you're in for a lifetime of. <laughs> well, you're a Spurs fan, so you know all about it. Well, you know what? You, you mentioned Spurs, right? I mean, Jose Mourinho actually um, has been in a lot of trouble this week, right? Because they they the paparazzi took pictures of him holding training sessions in, in a public park with some players. Yeah. Which is against, obviously goes against all the, the, the rules and the lockdown over there right now. So of course, Jose, you know, managed to turn it onto himself as he generally does. But I mean, yeah. my God, it's not a good look at all. He does. But I, and I think you, when you look at clubs and teams that really start to step up, I think that's the thing that, that we focus on. But I do think that organizations have to take a consideration of this and what happens on the other end. And, 
and I, I'm sure David perhaps has thoughts because there are NHL teams that, you know, as much as their TV revenues there, they're driven by the gate, and there are some of them I think there are going to be questions to be asked. And I think the bigger question is is when you used to sell, like I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, and you're selling out 21,000, I don't know where it ends up on the other side. And I think the clubs all have to look at this in any professional sport, football or otherwise, what they're doing. And I think, you know, I can tell you, I mean, I don't want to speak out of school, but the fact that guys associated with TFC, Danny and others have stepped up and now MLSC is right in there with us, talking to us and looking at some things to do. And I got to tell you, it, it as a fan, that, that makes a difference, right? I'd say I, I'm most looking forward to when all this is over with and the, these leagues slowly in whatever, you know, look at this, get back into action. Who's in the worst shape? Can't wait to see how, how Phil Kessel looks, for example, or someone coming out of this. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Hey, hey Beach, on that though, joking aside though, I mean, what are you telling your players right now? I mean, what do you expect from them when they come back? Obviously, they won't be in game shape, right? But what are they being told to do? Well, there's only so much a, a footballer or an athlete can do in the residence of their home, especially if you're an ice hockey player. I think unless you've got a rink in your back garden, um, you're not going to be able to do much. But we have daily sessions with our strength and conditioning coaches that the players have to tune into. We also have a nutritionist that, that um, I know that with our first team and second team, um, they're ordering and also kind of seeing what the players are eating during their off time. Um, we're lucky here in Canada because the players can still go for exercise outside of their, their residence, whether it be for a run in the park and do their own individual work. But uh, every morning, our second team and our first team have a structured gym session, whether it be with... Uh, equipment, dumbbells, uh, bands, whatever it is, uh, medicine balls, whatever it is. There's a structured gym session for 45 minutes. And I'm sure uh, the Raptors, McKegney will tell us as well, and the Leafs are doing similar things. But that's all you can do at the moment, Shams. And you hope that the players are kind of, as Dave said as well, are eager to get back on the, the rink, the field, the gym as soon as possible. And they're keeping themselves in in some kind of condition, but they're not going to be at any kind of match condition to go straight into a game. I know that I uh, was talking to Alex McKechnie about the players, and I know I saw online that Baca had a gym set up in his room. He had everything he needed, uh, stationary bike, whatever, weights, everything they needed. Well, the club invested hundreds of thousands of dollars for every single player to get what they needed specifically to their needs. If they couldn't be on a stationary bike because they have a groin injury, they had something to do upper body fitness with. Um, but that's on a different level because obviously the money that they have to spend on that, uh, I take it that uh, Toronto FC and you know even the Canadian Premier League teams, for instance, they're not on that level to be able to support players with their own physical equipment um, at a drop of a hat. Yeah. What's uh, Sportsnet saying, Dave? They're saying, listen, fellas, listen, girls, um, you may want to, you know, do your best to look half decent because when you get back on air, you know, I've been trying to stay to one bag of Doritos a day. So I'm holding myself to that at this point. Dave's the fittest guy in the world. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, 
I am not. And it's been tough. Uh, it's been tough doing the home workouts. I've talked to a bunch of NHL players and they're finding it tough too, because it's such a different workout. And you guys know that like it's different lifting weights, running sprints than being on the ice. You know, it's different doing those things at home than dribbling a ball and, and making, you know, crosses and those sorts of things. You just can't do certain things. So um, it, it's going to take some time. That's something you got to work into the equation when you talk about bringing the game back this year. Uh, the NHL PA has been in discussions with the NHL about how long the buildup would have to be before they can actually play a game and the players say it's going to probably be at least you know a month some training camp followed by uh they want to play at least a couple of regular season games they don't want to jump in from three month layoff to a playoff game so uh that's got to be factored in why not so i mean Uh, injury is a key one and also i feel like the intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs is incredible. I think they'd like to be able to play a couple of games where there's a little bit of uh, wiggle room on their performance as opposed to jumping in and saying, okay, guys, it's full bore. You haven't played in three months. And I, and I can understand and appreciate that. I suppose be kind of a two or three week, you know, training camp, no matter what the sport, the fans won't stand for that. And when you're trying to squeeze these games into this short window anyway, I mean, Mike, I understand from an injury standpoint, you've got to, you know, as someone that's not a professional athlete, clearly, uh, you know, I perhaps know this, but, um, you know, you can't jump into that level. Obviously, Deet, stop laughing. I know what you're about to say there about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, how long? I mean, a week? I mean, surely a week you can get at least the, the body oh, moving, no, the, the, the wheels. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Oh, here, no. We here we go. I'm, no, we can do a week, Chums. What? No way. It's, it's not, I know it's not ideal, but you can play a game of football or a game of hockey having yeah, not trained it. We're looking at it from the humor side of seeing all these kind of out of shape <laughs> athletes now trying to scrap or prove how good a, a, a professional they are. But to get back into uh, a match fit situation, you need at least three to four weeks because you have the two week prep where you're not even really playing any games. It's, pure conditioning and then in the third and fourth week you're playing preseason games or games against opposition not against players that you're training with every day you have to get to some kind of rhythm before you can go into a high level professional game at any level in my opinion rhythm come on i i I play when i used to be once a week pick up footy i'm fine get through a game not getting hurt every time (laughs) <laughs> it's not great football it's not great sports I understand that you know it's going to look you know great to the the public's eye but you can what are it. you drinking I want what James is drinking <laughs> yeah, well, don't give me a thousand soft tissue injuries it's juice it's juice he's drinking juice I'm just saying there's sacrifices that must be made for everyone and I, I get it I, I do understand how the, the professional athlete's body works and you need to slowly get into that level I understand that but no, you don't. these are <laughs> hey man I've read books <laughs> I've interviewed people before but the, it's not an ideal situation not, it's not it's far from perfect and they've got to get these games in somehow so you know, you can fit a lot of uh, regular season games into a two-week window rather than playing freaking pre-seasons in goddamn July. <laughs> anyway. It's just the way it is, Shams. If you want good quality... Uh... I don't care about quality anymore. I want to see the games. I don't care about quality. <laughs> no, I don't give a shit anymore. You know? Are they, Shams? The Chinese Baseball League. <laughs> can you jump is on that for running? Yeah, it's like today or tomorrow. Actually, the, the, Bel- Bel- it's the, the Bel- Belarusian Bel- game is... Belarusian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I'm not watching that, am I? 
So no. you can gavel on it as well, apparently. <laughs> apparently, eh? Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Not wink, wink. Hey, Sharms, I wanted to talk to Dave. Just, uh, I, ne- I would be remiss to not mention there was one event that I never got to ask you about, Davey. And it okay. was, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but you were still kind of bouncing around with deciding which direction we're going to go, ESPN again or TSN, coming back north. And it was the Charles Oakley incident. <laughs> so I need the to, Oakley incident. Yeah, I want to I hear kind of play-by-play of the Charles Oakley that I want all these guys to know that Charles Oakley hates David Amber. It's so not true. It's so not true. I am hated by many, but not Charles Oakley. First of all, if anyone's ever seen Charles Oakley, it is he's a very intimidating man. And uh, I mean, very intimidating. Big, strong, no BS. And uh, I was covering a, a Raptors practice. This was in 2001. And uh, it was it was a shoot-around, the morning shoot-around. It was the LA Clippers and the Raptors. And the way basketball shoot-arounds work is the home team, this, in this case, the Raptors, they have the court from 10.30 to 11.30. And as they leave the court, the visiting team comes on from 11.30 to 12.30 for the pregame shoot-around, the morning shoot-around. Uh, anyhow, we're, we're sort of behind this little wall, and, and you can kind of see through a little uh, sliver in the wall what's happening. The Raptors are wrapping up it was a fairly innocuous you know friday i think it was and next thing we know there's all this commotion happening we're not sure what's going on but suddenly all the raptors are coming off and people are holding oakley and we're like what the hell's going on here uh so we had to we get oakley in a scrum and no one wants to say anything we're just sort of standing there because again we're worried because he has this look on his face and i was like charles what happened he said what do you mean what happened i was like oh nothing you know uh (laughs) it's like we heard there was an incident with the la clippers and he he was He's like, well, what did you see it? I said, no, I didn't see it. We're, we're asking about it. Essentially what happened is he slapped uh, a member of the LA Clippers, Jeff McInnes, across the face, like open-handed, boom, across, you know, like slapped him. Uh, he owed, I guess, Oakley some money from something that happened in the summer, a gambling match or something like that. And you don't owe Oakley money. You pay up, right? So <laughs> anyways, I had to ask him, and he was basically chewing me out. How dare you ask me these things? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there kind of just shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. But I knew I'd be in deep crap if I, I went back to the newsroom and didn't have, you know, hadn't asked the right questions. But uh, I saw Oakley about a week later. He ended up, the NBA ended up suspending him for two games because the word got out what happened. And he didn't even play in that night game, thankfully, because I was there covering it. I would have been very scared. But uh, a week later, I kind of went up to him. I said, hey, Charles. And he's like, you cost me some money. I said, well, I didn't mean to. He's like, but I'm getting my money from McGinnis. And I said, okay, good. <laughs> so it all worked out and uh, it was a bit intimidating. But uh, I like, I like uh, Charles Oakley, and we miss his brand of basketball for sure in the NBA. That toughness was great. So uh, everything's cool now, Wonger. I can walk the street safely. Well, that's good because I'm just happy that I have you as a protector, Dave. Because I don't want <laughs> yeah. Charles Oakley going after us. No, that would be bad. I, yeah, especially when you're drunk, Wonger, drunk, <laughs> walking down the streets. Dave's got to be the, the muscle. The muscle. Oh, that's no, right. not me. Hey, Craig, what was your worst uh, ever experience with the media when you played? Was there one? I mean, generally speaking, you got them pretty good with them, right? But was there a moment or a particular journalist that had your number? No, not really. I mean, they're all a little bit brash, always looking for a, a soundbite, um, mostly negative uh, mm. journalists, uh, more so than positive. I mean, we played too. There was when the Premier League started. There wasn't even press rooms at the grounds, so the way the press worked, it was parking lot. You come out of your the the building and you head toward your car and the media would 
be all over you. The Sun newspaper, the tabloids, you know, some of the more respectable ones sometimes. And they'll just bring up something in the game that uh, might be controversial to try to get a comment on. And even if you don't even mention it at that time, you, you still might get a comment. They'll just make shit up. So it was important as the league uh, evolved that they needed to have a structure about how they interviewed uh, players, more so like in North America. They were miles behind North America as far as how they deal uh, with the media. No media goes into dressing rooms over there, but they mm-hmm. do have media rooms and, and call on, on players and managers. Hey, Deitch, when you first moved over here for TFC, what was your initial, <laughs> initial opinion of the, uh, the media compared to UK? Uh, it was pretty interesting walking into a, a locker room after having a shower for my first game and there was women and men <laughs> journalists in there with microphones and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Is it like something <laughs> happened? No one warned me prior to, to our Did they see your microphone? <laughs> yeah, I covered it up. Jimmy, being Jimmy, always used to walk around naked after the game. Oh, he like, loved being naked. Always loves being naked. Yeah, he was like one of those guys. So, um, yeah. no, that was interesting, <laughs> especially for a, a European player coming over, because as 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 uh, Craig just said, we weren't used to having any journalists in the locker room after the game, prior to the game, even half time, and. It was kind of a sacred room for us where everything was let out, whether a coach wanted to lose his shit, players wanted to fight in there. That was our sacred room. And to have journalists come in that could either speak positively or negatively about you in the press the next day or do an interview like a Charles Oakley interview, which Rich Davis speaking about, was was foreign to me. So it was something that like I was very, very interested in because I thought it was another thing that I'm going to learn in North America and it, it excited me for a bit and then I just thought fuck this is really like doing my head in now because after the first year where we didn't win so many games it was a little bit um, annoying in the end <laughs> a little repetitive I remember, I remember doing a live hit at TFC training in that first year and I'm doing whatever it was and suddenly all these balls get winging over my head by like you know missing my head by an inch or two inches and I'm like what is happening here I turn around it's Dickio from across the field just <laughs> Launching balls at me, <laughs> missing me, I should say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas, I think we're out of time. Anything else you guys want to get to? No, it's just great to see uh, see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Though? <laughs> Whole week's uh, part. Nice but to have no. some human interaction. It's uh, it is it's awesome. It's awesome. It and uh, guys, thanks, Sully, for coming on here. I know you're really busy, Sully. You're nonstop, about eighteen hours a day. And uh, thanks a lot for. Uh, Coming on. Yeah, oh, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Dave, man. Thanks for coming yeah, thanks, on. Mate. And if, listen, if anyone has any uh, suggestions for Sully as to what, what team he should support, as he's now quit on Spurs, uh, let us know at the uh, Footy Prime, the podcast. Uh, and <laughs> Maybe it'll be Celtic, but I don't take Sully to be a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I've got a good Catholic name, Ahmed. There you go. <laughs> okay, so Dave Amber thank you so much mate for doing this really enjoyed it I can't wait to see you back in front of the camera doing hockey where you belong because uh, I'm, I'm missing the NHL I have to say yeah we're, I'm missing all sports uh, listen I'll be watching retro Toronto Blizzard matches if I have to I'm, I'm just, that's where we're at right now no, don't uh, do that. Yeah, Randy Samuel or whoever it was wow uh, look at that nice George, one Giorgio Canalia of uh, what New York Cosmos or whatever anyways <laughs> Thanks for having me, fellas. It's been a lot of fun. And stay safe, most importantly. Sully, keep up the good fight. And anything uh, I can help out at, I'm going to reach out to you and see what I can help out as well. 
Thank you. Yeah, you're all on an email together now, fellas. Uh, Perfect. Okay. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thanks, oh, thanks so much. Fellas, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, Jeff, play us out. Just on the bed. You've been listening to Footy Prime, the podcast with Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. We'd like to thank Dave, isolating in a cave, Amber, and <laughs> Sully, the true hero of COVID-19, Ahmed. Check out conquercovid19.ca to see what you can do. From Dan, the man Wong, and me, Jeff, the face for Radio Cole, thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.